Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. It has actually been a hot minute. I think the last time we did it, Crank, was uh, with Catra in August. Yes. All right. So it has been a hot minute, no, but we're by mistake. We interviewed Tina from New Hampshire. That's right. How could I ever forget? Sorry, Tina. So, yes, we did interview Tina a few weeks ago, and Tina actually just completed last weekend another fantastic challenge. It was the 24-hour uphill challenge on Sunday River Mountain in Maine, and she did that. Crazy. Yeah, that's wonderful. So congratulations, Tina. But for right now, we have another extra special guest and a second timer here on the podcast. So Ken is, Ken Posner is an ultra marathoner, hiker, author. Uh, He's done 106 marathons and ultras. He's done the Adirondack 46, the Catskills grid. Um, he's done a through run of the long path in New York and through hiked the John Muir trail. He's also completed over 78 races barefoot, including 21 marathons and ultra marathons. He's completed the Catskills 35 barefoot and, um, the Adirondacks barefoot. Ken was also an airborne ranger, but we brought him back uh, to discuss the Shawnagunk Ridge Trail Race. He is not only one of the organizers, but one of the originators of this race. Welcome, Ken. Thank you, Crank and Temples. Delighted to be back with you. Yeah, All I right, think so- the last time he was on was in late April. Probably. Yeah, late April, early. Yeah, it was actually mid-April. That's right. I couldn't be on there, so I'm sorry I missed it. But I did listen to the episode, and I loved it. So, yes, very happy to chat with you this time around. All right. I'll try not to let you down. Oh, no. No, no, not at all. (laughs) You will be fine. Like, just your own individual athletic feats are incredible but then the fact that you do all of this volunteer work on top of that is amazing so can you we'll start by can you give us a little bit of background on the shawnagunk ridge trail itself we were just talking before the podcast tumbles and i when we were doing that section of the appalachian trail we saw the spur for where that heads off by high point but um, if you could fill us in, that would be great. Just tell us about the trail itself. Sure, glad to do so. And by the way, that's exactly where we start the race. Um, oh, great. The 70 mile division. So the, the Schwangung Bridge Trail, or we call it the SRT for short, it starts in High Point State Park, New Jersey, uh, at that junction with the Appalachian Trail. And it goes up to the top there, uh, past that, that huge monument tower. And at that point, by the way, you can see 30 or 40 miles to the north. You can see the Schwangunks uh, spiraling off into the, into the distance. And you're like, oh, that's where I'm, that's that's where I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going, hopefully. Um, but from there, it, uh, it rolls through some, some beautiful hills and forests, uh, passes by the Bashakil wetlands, the biggest wetlands in southern New York. Uh, the runners go through there at, at night, so they hear <laughs> things splashing in the water and you know, wonder, is that a duck? Is it a, is it a turtle? Is it something else? Um, it, it goes into the Southern gunks and, uh, and then up Sam's point and Sam's point of course is, is spectacular. And I, I think the views there in some directions go at a hundred miles. Uh, from there it goes through Minnewaska, 
Uh, and there's some cool spots. It, it's a trail that is sort of a little crazy. So it's going to take you up Castle Point. You actually scramble up a cliff. Now, you don't need ropes or anything. Nobody's ever fallen off. But it's a real scramble. You go through a little bit of a cave. You go underneath a waterfall. You that go over 10,000 tree roots. Um, <laughs> you uh, jump into the Mohawk Preserve. Uh, more cool vantage points. And you finish on this uh, railway trestle in Rosendale, New York, which is 150 feet over the Rondout uh, Creek. So it's a very dramatic uh, trestle. It's so cool to go across. And that's the finish to the, to the race. Um, so that's the basic. That's the trail in a, in a nutshell. So it is definitely not a boring trail or a boring race. Um, that is one of the things that I think uh, we struggled with in our last attempt at an ultra tumbles is it was just a loop. And after the second time around, um, not only were we physically struggling, but just mentally doing like, I can't do another, I can't do this loop a third time. So just the fact that it's so diverse running a race, I think would be a huge help, at least for me mentally. It also so, didn't help that we were being uh, lapped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, that took a but toll. I've, but I've got a great race for you. It's in uh, New Jersey, just outside of uh, Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, it's called the... It's called the Loopy Looper. I just like that. That does not great. sound good. <laughs> um, so you can put it on your list. But yeah, the SRT, the, the way we organize the race, it's all point to point. Right. And it is extremely diverse. I didn't mention the Sky Lakes and oh. the waterfalls. Brickater Kill Falls is one of the tallest waterfalls in New York. Or the I didn't mention the Pitch Pine Barrens, which is like what you'd see in the Jersey Pine Barrens. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, and I didn't mention, you know, the porcupines. <laughs> There's so much. Or the other cool animals uh, and birds and things out there. It's really a beautiful country. Uh, and it's so distinct from your typical Northeastern trail, which is a, you know, a tunnel through lovely forest. But here you're up on the ridgeline. Right. So that's yeah. the difference. That That is always a plus. Uh, with now the trail, how long has the trail been around? When do you know the history of it? Yeah, the trail has not been around that long. Um, I want to say it's about 10 years old. Wow. I first ran it in uh, in 2015. I think it was 2015. Uh, it was only, it, it took me three tr- three tries to finish it, actually, because it wasn't fully blazed in the northern sections. I just got lost. Couldn't tell what was oh, going on. So I think that's when they were just um, finishing it. By the way, the Schwangungs are a really great conservation success story in new york and new york is a great place for conservation we're so fortunate but but you know the state came in and preserved the adirondacks and the catskills and uh, the harriman you know was created with the palisades interstate park commission to oversee it the schwangungs has been preserved by private organizations like the open space institute or the nature conservancy or the trail conference um, and it's been going on for decades, and it's been one parcel at a time. There's a fellow at OSI, Bob Anderberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, people call him Bob Vandergunk <laughs> because he's played a role for, I think, 30 or 40 years, and he's just been a visionary in acquiring the parcels when they became available. And today there's almost a complete greenway across the Schwanguns. And part of the reason we created the race was to celebrate this achievement and, you know, help people you know, experience the, the, the Schwangungs and the Greenway. Um, so with that as some context, trail conference volunteers uh, built the trail, again, about 10 years ago. 
And uh, there were a couple of uh, folks involved, Jacob Frank and a volunteer named Andy Garrison. Andy is today the volunteer who oversees the entire Long Path. So he's a legend in the Hudson Valley just for, you know, land acquisition, trail building, trail maintenance. Uh, He's a terrific fellow. He's on the board of the trail conference as well right now. What a what a legacy. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. How Absolutely. does that work? Because we very much, we use public land, we use national parks, we're in the Adirondacks all the time, but our preference would be a privatized model like you are describing. So absolutely thrilled to hear that. So how does that work? The board just keeps their eye out for... Um, people selling property and then makes offers. How exactly does that work? Yeah, well, the the trail conference has about 2000 volunteers. Those are, we call them our our volunteer superheroes. And some, some folks are, and by by the way, I, I, you know, I'm like a lot of people, I took the trails for granted. And one day I turned a corner and it actually was on the SRT uh, right by Vercator Kill Falls. And there was a guy, you know, clipping the blueberry back with, with some shears and the light bulb went off and I was like, Oh, I get it. The trails don't maintain themselves. <laughs> Somebody has to get out here and keep them from uh, <laughs> from getting overgrown. Um, so some of the volunteers are very, very committed and very passionate and very experienced. And Andy is one of them. So it's volunteers like Andy who get to know the local landowners and know where all the parcels are. And when something gets put on the market, or in some cases they get to know the owners and those owners will deed the parcels over to the trail conference. Um, uh, and sometimes we just get permission to cross the private property. Right. But, but what typically happens is that the trail conference or OSI or somebody else will buy the land and eventually over time, turn it over to the state and get reimbursed. So a lot of the uh, Schwangungs today is covered by a state forest uh, managed by DEC or department of environmental conservation or Sam's point in Minnewaska which are New York State Parks, or the Mohonk Preserve, which is a private preserve. Uh, but but those are all more permanent ways of maintaining, of, of, of safeguarding the land. By the way, for our longtime listeners, um, go back and we've done episodes on all of those. So go <laughs> back and check those out. Um, all right, fantastic. So let's talk about the race a little bit. It's divided up into... Um, two sections for 70 mile and 30 mile there's actually three there's 70 30 and half marathon okay so for everyone listening this episode is all about ken just trying to recruit us to do this race next year (laughs) that's the whole point of this episode i I think he's done it already so episode's over all right good night folks well well, all right good night folks you guys you guys and your listeners because we have room for more people. The trail's 70 miles long, so we can fit a lot of people uh, on it. How many it people and normally register? About 200. That's a nice okay. size. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good group. All right, so we're, not hey, trying okay. to, we're not trying to make this thousands of people, but we have room to grow this. And we, we keep all the money from the race. that go, That's saved for uh, – the race is part of a not-for-profit, so it's saved for – land acquisition or land stewardship in the Hudson Valley. And so if we get a few more people, it's just more money more to money. put to, to work uh, on more preservation projects. Oh, great. Can you talk about the different, the three different distances, like the cutoff times and like where each route takes you? 
Yeah, the full 70-mile distance is the epic full traverse of the Schwangang Mountains. And it starts right where you guys were on the Appalachian Trail in that junction in High Point State Park uh, in New Jersey. And the the 70 mile is a difficult uh, distance, uh, uh, particularly the way we organize the race. There's not a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we typically have about a 50%, 5-0% do not finish rate. Mm-hmm. So only about half the people make it. And it's typically just it's a longer distance or maybe the trail's a little rockier than they expected. Um, you know, there's GI issues, you know, and these are typical for many races where people have issues with their feet. Um, but it does, the 70 mile division does start uh, Friday evening. So you get that first night and then the next day you have a full day in front of you. So that I think is, that, that makes it a little bit harder uh, for some yeah. people. I've done some races that start in the night and by the time you get to the second uh, evening, you're getting pretty tired. Yeah. But the, but the 30 mile and the, sorry, Tumbles. I'm, I'm sorry, the TMB, you know, that that's always the famous one starts at night. And it, yeah. it is, it is, it screws with your mind a little bit because after the night, you're like, oh good, the sun's coming up. No, I still have about 80 miles to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did a race in uh, California called Coyote Two Moon mm-hmm. and it started in the evening and the first night was fine, but the second night I was, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't walk straight. I look at a bush and it would turn into a house. <laughs> I was going to just ask if you had hallucinations. <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> I don't know how the bush actually turned into a house. That was a... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then the house turned into a puff of smoke. <laughs> well, all right then. <laughs> well, we we don't we could we could go down a rabbit hole and talk about hallucinations, but but just to finish your question, we also have the thirty mile division and the half marathon division, and because all the divisions end at midnight, mm-hmm. uh, the event ends at midnight. They're really generous uh, time limits, uh, 15 hours for the 30-miler, and uh, I think it's 12 or 13 hours for the half marathon. Oh, wow. So everybody completes those distances. And by the way, this year, we had actually 100% finish rate for the half marathon and 97% for the 30-mile. Oh, that's wonderful. So very pleased, very pleased with, with you know, that success for so many people. And I, I, guess, I guess you have... Um prizes for age group or do you just do a first second third how does that work we just have a first for male and a first oh, for female fair. that's easy but you know age group is is a good idea so we could do age groups uh, or at least go to master and uh uh you know categories yeah i need to come up with a good prize uh, <laughs> but that's on the drawing board fair enough. what was what did they give out crank at um the last race we did in south jersey it was something and- silly yeah, anyone that finished, it was called the Rat Race, and anyone that finished got a giant medal um, with the rat eating cheese. Jeez. That was what the medal was. And then, obviously, your your top finisher, your tier finishers, they got, like, other stuff. Well, one, I think it was the first place winner. They found this old, busted-up mirror from a bar with with something i was like here here's your prize <laughs> was... oh yeah we were talking to that guy he's like what am i i he was like from maryland or something he's like i don't i'm supposed to go home with this now <laughs> it's like that they find junk on the on the street and they just figure i was like this is fine for the uh the trophy 
So how does that work? Like, do you run shuttles or do people arrange their own transportation? You're 30 miles out from High Point. Like, how do you get back? Yeah, so all the events, we have shuttles. Everything okay. ends at the northern uh, terminus in Rosendale. So okay. we have uh, buses that drop people off in the morning. Or, you know, people can just arrange to be dropped off by a friend. Very cool. All right. I'm going through our notes. My apologies. Yeah, so how is the trail blazed? Because you mentioned that when you first attempted it, um, you got lost because it wasn't fully blazed yet. You were it was right. brand new. So how is what are the blazes like? So um we skipped over maybe I shouldn't mention this, because uh, I, I want all your listeners to sign up. I don't want to scare anybody anybody this away, but we you know, we don't mark the course. Oh okay? really? Right. It's an unsupported format, so we don't mark the course. That's awesome. Um, now, it's not a it's not a Barclays Marathon. It's not a orienteering <laughs> or bushwhacking course. The SRT, um, but what's unique about the SRT, and this is true for, you know, a number of long-distance trails in New York, is the, the long-distance trail sort of hops and skips among a network of local trails. And the local trails can have different um, color paint blazes on the trees. So it could be blue, it could be red, yellow, lilac. Um, and so there are blue SRT discs nailed to trees, but typically at intersections. Okay. And you're not going to see them every 100 yards. Um, and so one of the unique challenges of the race is if you're running really fast or if you're tired, you can make a navigation mistake. You can wander off the trail, miss the discs, or just get confused. Um, and that's on you. Now, we have search and rescue teams uh, standing by, and I will say nobody's ever gotten lost that we didn't find. Um, but to make life easier for folks, we give them uh, an app. It's a free app with a nice map on it. You know, it's on your phone. Okay. And so if you're not sure where you are, you just push the button. It's just like Google Maps, and it, yeah. you're either on the trail or you're off, and then you know to go back. And um, and so, like I said, nobody's ever gotten you know, seriously lost. And there's not, this is not, you know, big country like Alaska or some such place. There's roads uh, throughout the region. But it, it, it does add that extra level of mental challenge because you've got to manage yourself on the course. Um, and when you read the race reports, we had some great race reports. Um, and when you read them, you'll see that, uh, you know, people will add a little bit of mileage because they'll miss an intersection. And, and it's so easy to do that when you're running. And again, the trail is is you know blazed, but we're not putting any tape, you know, any engineer tape out there. Plus, we just we just didn't think it was practical to try and mark seventy miles yeah. point to point. And even if we did, you know, vandals could come and take yep. it down, and they do that sometimes. So, I don't know. I'm expecting more races <laughs> to happen, but I thought more races would would um, copy this format and just say, "Hey, the course is on your phone. We're not going to mess up the forest with markings. Just you know, just pay attention to what you're doing." I, okay. I, I quickly looked through Rebecca Parado's uh-huh. um, report. What what a great report she wrote about yeah, the SRT, yeah. and uh, she she won by almost a skid of her teeth. Basically, at the end, yeah. she got she didn't win, but she she finished by the skin of her like yeah. twenty seven hours. And she was she won the female division because oh, she was okay. the last. One left, yeah. Wow, amazing! And what a great smile on her face. And I saw her, you know, in 
uh, around dusk on day two, and she was looking a little a little beat up. And in her report at checkpoint five, she talks about that. But then when I saw her at checkpoint six, she had gotten a second wind, or maybe it was a third or a fourth wind, mm-hmm. and she did great. So I was so pleased for her and so proud of her. So what do people normally for that 70 mile, um, cause you're out there for days, what is a typical kit to that people normally take with them? So, um, the, the other thing I didn't mention is the, we don't have aid stations. Makes right. Sense. So <laughs> we have checkpoints to make sure we, you know, we're very safety focused mm-hmm. and we want accountability. Um, but we don't give it any food or water. So, you know, typically people will have your standard uh, hydration pack uh, and, you know, the bottles are popular or some people like the bladders, but you'll need a filter. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ponds and streams along the way. So you just have to filter your own water and then you'll need your own food. Right. And you yeah. need to know what works for you. And we, you know, we had a, um, a, a young man a, a couple years back and he had stomach issues at mile 30 and, um, I said, well, you know, here's here I am. I can take you back to the finish if you want to drop. And he just gutted it out. And you can actually go a long distance without food. Uh, so that's one of the challenges. It's not like you can go to an aid station and say, hey, you know, I don't want to have potato chips. I want to have gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to figure out what works for you, and it has to work for you. Um, besides that, you know, lights are important. So we could talk about lights. And, you know, there are some lights that you can dial up. They're really bright at night if you're, like, confused but where the batteries aren't going to run out and leave you stranded. You know, extra battery for your phone is important. Waterproofing for your phone is important. And then finally, just some, you know, maybe some something for the, you could have, we had rain. We had bad storms this year. We've been lucky for the prior eight years. So some kind of um, clothing to protect you from the wet and the cold, Hmm. because it could be unpleasant. Um, And to be caught out, you know, that's an issue for runners. If you slow down, you want to be able to protect yourself from the elements. So, yeah, I'm looking, and one of your participants, um, <clears throat> Patty Lee Parmalee, made uh-huh. the comment, this is the, a race where they don't hold the runner's hand. So if you are looking for physicality plus mental game, there's a lot that goes into this. That's fantastic. Yeah, and we're trying to celebrate the values and encourage the values of, of self-reliance and connection to the land and not self-reliance in, you know, some absolute sense, but just, you know, the people who lived in New York in the 19th century, in the 18th century, in the 17th century, you know, the indigenous people, uh, the, the colonists, the explorers, the traders, they had to move through the forests on their own without power bars and <laughs> without cell phones. And we, we want to encourage that kind of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so the runners who come to this race do a little bit more preparation than, you know, is necessary at, at, at other kinds of more conventional races. And and I think it's um, valuable because these kinds of skills allow you to go out on your own. If you're trying to do an FKT or if you're fast packing or just exploring on your own, now you have these skills to manage your food and hydration and your navigation. So they're just important skills. And we want to promote, like I said, that kind of mindfulness. So it's a little bit of something of for everybody then. I mean, I know we like to do, I I like maps. So that would be a bonus for me to just keep track of where we are. And uh, Crank likes to make sure, you know, we have everything we need, even to detriment of going faster. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it sounds like it's a little bit of something for everybody, this trail race. Yeah. and, And I should confess that 
you know, it is a particular kind of format. And there are two kinds of people in the world if you're out on your own. One is the person who's somehow totally confident about following the map and where everything is, and they just go and get it done. And the other person is the kind of person who barrels along and then wakes up and it's like, did I pass that intersection? <laughs> so before that's GPS, me. that's me, by the way, and you have to go back. <laughs> so you spend a lot of time being anxious. Yep. And that was <laughs> my experience. That was my experience on the long path and on oh, the wow. SRT when I first ran it the three times. So I, you know, appreciate the added challenge of paying attention to what you're doing. And that's why I thought, you know, this event would help and encourage other people like me to be more careful. So to start yeah. with this trail race, was it just you that, that came up with this or was it you and a friend or how did it all kind of materialize? Well, it's me and, and my good friend, Todd Jennings. Okay. And Todd, by the way, uh, was the first person to design, uh, and Todd was the first uh, race director for Rock the Ridge. Oh, I was going to ask about that one as well. Okay. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. So that's now that that event is now run by the Mahong Preserve. But uh, uh, Todd and I actually uh, created that event many years ago. So to put on an event like this, I need somebody like Todd, who's just very, very strong when it comes to planning and organization. And so to, the two of us together have been running this or directing this race now for this was our ninth year. Okay, awesome. We all need a Todd in our lives, I think. <laughs> Todd is awesome. Yes, for sure. <laughs> We talked a little bit about um, Rebecca, the female division winner. Can you tell us about um, the other um, finishers, other winners? Well, Jordan Snyder won the uh, male 70-mile division, and, and he set a new uh, record. I think it was 15 hours 15 and 40 hours. minutes. That's incredible. He did it mostly at yeah, night. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, what we do, we set the runners off and then myself and in a small team, we go, we, we go put eyes on them, uh, before they, well, before they hit checkpoint one, okay. just to see how they're doing. <laughs> and, uh, Jordan came pairing up the hill and I was like, huh, that seems a little bit over enthusiastic, <laughs> maybe so early in a 70 mile race. And he was just flying. But then he came flying into checkpoint one, two, three, he never slowed down. Amazing. So just a phenomenal young athlete and uh, uh, just a very impressive uh, uh, performance. Uh, Russ Drescher did it uh, a year ago in, or two years ago in 16 hours and 22 minutes. And that's blindingly fast by my standards. Um, anyhow, so um, I was going to say, uh, uh, Jordan's record is an adjusted record because we actually started the runners about a half a mile into the course this year because there was uh, thunder and lightning. We didn't want them to be on the exposed crest of high points. So we just started them a little bit further in the woods. Okay. Um, but, you know, still, it's a very decisive uh, performance, right? He's, he's uh, 42 minutes faster than Russ, and it doesn't take Jordan 40 minutes to cover half a mile. Half a mile, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, how old is he? Uh, th 33 years old. Wow. I, I, I got to do some work. <laughs> well, when I was 33, I, I wasn't doing anything special. That's for sure. <laughs> um, can you tell us about um, the trail itself? Um, so you said it's a, a new trail. 
but um, you know, who so many had the little idea ecosystems in there too, from what you were saying yeah. earlier. So, Cranky, you're asking about the trail itself. Like, what is it like to sort of be oh, on the, it? The history of the trail. Yeah, I think you know. At this point, I I would just, you know, I would I would just point to Andy Garrison. Okay. Ten years ago, as where the trail came from, mm-hmm. and Jacob Frank. Yeah. And the the only other thing I could add is when we uh, the original version of the trail came out of the uh, Mohonk Preserve on Route Six. Okay. Yeah. And there was a road walk, a road run downhill. And I did that when I threw ran it. And the first year we had the race on that. And I was like, never again, because that's just a terrible, scary, windy road that comes straight down a mountain. Okay. And there are all these tourists and they're driving up to the Mohonk mountain house. Uh, so they're not expecting runners and they're blind <laughs> curves and things. So it's like, no, we can't ever do this again. So we did change it. And so we worked with the Mohonk Preserve. Uh, and I really appreciate their collaboration. Um, and they helped us map out a route through the northern sections of the Mohonk Preserve that comes out right at that trestle. Oh, and we cross private property, and the people are very generous to allow us to do that. That section is not yet open to the public. Um, so we're working on that. Uh, and, you know, some of these projects take years and years and years. But eventually, hopefully, that that um, whole northern section will be open to the public. And then the SRT will be officially 70 miles end-to-end for anybody at any time. Oh, that's great. Um, that's the goal. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. I'm, I know you'll get there. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to continue our talk talking about the Duchess Classic Half. So um, <laughs> if anyone's interested in running this race, we are going to sign up. We're signing up. That, that, yeah, that's good, not, good, that's good. not a question anymore. <laughs> it's srtrun.com to sign up right. or search on Ultra Sign Up, which is like yep. the go to database for all of the ultra races in the area, yep. actually across the country, right? So, yep. um, yeah, go do it. And when, and we'll be opening registration in October. Really? Uh, yeah, so it's not yeah. quite open yet. We have, it takes us, you know, Todd and I, <laughs> we have day jobs, unfortunately. So um, it takes us a little while to, you know, just close the books. And so we will be opening it very shortly. That's super In fact, impressive. as soon as we, <laughs> as, as, as soon as we hang up, I'll, go, I'll get to work on the, uh, it's not hard. You just have to change the date. Uh, yeah. But it, was, it will be, should be September 13th and 14th of next year. It's always the second weekend in September. It's a lucky number. And it's, it's, it's going to be Friday it the 13th. Yes. All right. <laughs> All Start right. training in October. Yes. Yes. All right. Tell us about the Duchess Classic Half. That sounds fun. The Duchess Classic is a so we're we're switching gears from the SRT. This is a completely this changing. Is a, okay, <laughs> this changing is a it race. Up. But this is a great race and there's so many fun ways to get outside and move, right? That's what all we all love to do. Um so the Duchess Classic has been around for a long time. Tom Story is the race director and he's been doing it I think for 20, 20 odd years. So it's a well-organized event. It starts in Poughkeepsie, Aww. and it mostly goes on the rail trail, the Duchess Rail Trail, uh, and it go including you go up over the walkway over the Hudson. Oh, so the so really nice. that's another restored uh, railroad road trestle, and uh, it, it's also part of the Long Trail. It's part of the uh, Empire. The uh, Empire. State trail. Okay, so those yeah. are two different ones. Okay, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so we've gone we've gone from crazy hiking trails that go up cliffs and under waterfalls and through caves to 
a you know a paved bike trail, which is flat and really smooth too. And as a barefoot runner, I appreciate smoothness. So, um, and uh, you know, if your runners are curious, barefoot is great, but the reality is. Uh, you know, rough uh, pavement and gravel and things like that will absolutely slow you down. Mm -hmm. So this was a great course and it was a beautiful day. And uh, for me, I ran uh, much faster and easier than I was expecting. So I set a a barefoot PR by a few minutes. So I was, I was happy. So I had a, I had a great time and I recommend it for anybody who's looking for a flat, fast, smooth half marathon in, you know, a beautiful section of uh, Dutchess County. All right, Tumbles, we need to sign up for that one as well. <laughs> I was just curious, where does it end? Or is it a loop? Uh, it, it is, it's a sort of a, it's not quite a loop. You go out to the end of the walkway over the Hudson, then you go back. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like a, a, a little bit of a tea, I guess. Oh, say. fair enough. Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> We're going to throw out a free plug. Um, one of our post-hike spots is right there, Shotsies. Shotsies. <laughs> Yes. Shotsies is always a great place. When you sign up, after you finish the race, you can head there. It's in Main Street, Poughkeepsie. All right. So let's talk a little bit um, about what you've been up to since the last time that you were on. So you are up to 110 of the 115 high peaks in the Northeast region. That's correct, and that's a, that's that's all barefoot. And I should I should wow. explain to your listeners so they just don't think I'm a crazy person, <laughs> <laughs> or at least they 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 can make that that uh, assessment with a little bit more information. Um, I started about ten years ago, just having read Born to Run and thinking that a little bit of barefoot training would be good to avoid injuries. You know that more natural form. And the strange thing is, um, and I never would have guessed this. Um, but it's just more fun or it was for me and it was sort of a slippery slope. And so eventually I lost interest in running and hiking in shoes. And what barefoot gives you is that direct intimate connection with nature. And it's very intense because sometimes it's moss or smooth dirt or mud or that glacially polished slab, which is like marble. And sometimes it's not. <laughs> sometimes it's annoying, endless uh, sandstone fragments, uh, like in um, uh, the Catskills, uh, or it could be gra- gravel road or just you know chip and seal pavement out in rural areas. But you have what, what happens is it turns every run or walk or hike into a total adventure because you don't never know exactly what you're going to get into. Um, so I've had just so much fun with it, and I'm I'm trying to get more folks to give it a try. Um, and the secret is not to go out and run a marathon barefoot. The secret is just to start by walking around, right. uh, you know, in a park or something and just seeing if it does anything for you. Uh, and then you can go into hiking and then you can get into running and give yourself lots of time. And it was for me a great transition too, because I got to that age where I wanted to go faster and faster because I like going fast, but you get to an age and you keep trying to go faster and you just discover that body parts <laughs> start breaking. <laughs> and, and so something had to change and I thought, Hey, well, barefoot will be slow and short and it'll give me a chance to develop a new practice where I'll be able to improve because I'm not going to be able to improve or it didn't seem like I was going to improve in shoes anymore. So the, the 110 peaks in the Northeast has been so much fun over so many years because you know, it's, 
takes forever to drive up from New York yeah. to the Adirondacks or New Hampshire or, or Maine, but it's been so much fun. And, and now I only have five in Vermont left to do, which I'll do, you know, next year sometime. Oh, great. Um, how long did it take you for your feet to get used to the different types of terrain? I'm still working on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, um, I would say that over 10 years, every year my feet have gotten a little bit tougher, but it's not, the feet only get so tough, right? Mm-hmm. They're never going to be as tough as rocks. It's so much about your your form. It's a different way of moving because those core muscles become the shock absorbers because you don't have the rubber and shoes. Wow. So it's a different way of moving. It's more like moving in a crouch where your knees flex. And um, so every year I maybe I get a little bit better at that as well. And when you start something in your 50s, you're never going to be as good. So it would be cool to you know go out to some place where the kids still run around barefoot if you can find that. And of course, they would be, you know, racing in circles around me. Um, but but gradual, continued improvement. And you know, like I said, after ten years, the Duchess uh, Classic Half Marathon, it just it went so well. So I was so pleased to to reach a slightly higher plateau. That's wonderful. Uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, I was curious. What was my question? Don't please brain fart. I'm too young for those. Um, well, while oh, you're thinking. Wait, I found it. I, I remember now. Uh, do, do you think you, do you exclusively run barefoot? Except if there's uh, snow or ice. Okay. Fair. Now I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so or my deep, question deep was. Deep snow or, you know, it depends on this. There's a fine line. There is. Snow and ice can be, is, is high risk. And I will sometimes venture out in high risk conditions, but be advised, it can be very high risk. So did you teach yourself that technique? Did you like what research did you do on it to learn? Because you said it's a totally different stride. It's totally different muscle movements. Um, Just trial and error. Did you like do research on this? How did you learn? So here's the funny thing. So mostly trial and error. But and then there's a great book. The real guru of barefoot running is a fellow named Ken Bob Saxton. So you can find his book on Amazon, Barefoot Running Step-by-Step. And I highly recommend that book. Uh, So that was helpful to me. Although to some extent, after I had already made (laughs) some of the mistakes that he warns about. Um, But even so, it was was very helpful to me. The other weird thing is um, all these sort of memories. You know, I might have seen when I was a kid some video about life in an indigenous village, maybe in Africa or India or South America, where people... Were, were habitually barefoot. And so I would have these images that would sort of percolate into my mind. Or there's a, you know, there's a video of John Burroughs from, I think, 1919. And some kids visit him at his, at his little farm in Woodstock up in the Catskills. And the little boy is walking barefoot. So you have, I have some of these little images floating around in my head. And every now and then I would pull up one of those images and say, ah, now I understand that he, I, his hips move around a little bit because the hips are sort of the counterweight. You're not just locked up, you know, straight legs like a stork or something. You know, the, the whole center of your mass is sort of counterbalancing the impact on your feet. And some of that would help things click a little bit. Awesome. So when, how did that come into play? Because you did the knife edge 
on Katahdin, which is on our list. Well, the whole Appalachian Trail eventually, but okay. I in particular want to do the knife edge. So can you talk about the knife edge and what that was like barefoot? Yeah, sure. And so I, I did North Brother first, which is a 4,000 footer to the north of, I think it's to the north of uh, Katahdin. And so I got up there and it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was a little boulder field at the top and I sat there and looked out at Katahdin and Hamlin, and they're called the Tablelands. It's this wide, sweeping plateau, and there was mist blowing across, and then the mist cleared, and then I saw the knife edge, which is this black wall, serrated edge like a saw blade. And I thought, well, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be interesting. That'll be fun. And, yeah, and I, I knew nothing about this. I you know glanced at a few trip reports, and I knew you had to do the knife edge because it's just there. Mm -hmm. And so I got up to the knife edge and it was a steep and rocky trail. The knife edge is, it's sort of a, like an arete. It's not quite an arete, but, um, you know, on one edge, there's a very deep hole, you know, a, a glacially carved out basin. Cool. And the other edge is, is not a hole, but it's very steep. And it's not like you're going to fall off and drop a thousand feet straight down, but um, it is quite exposed and quite narrow. By the time you get to the top, it's only three or four feet across, and it's this jagged tumble of rocks. So it's not really a trail. It's really sort of places that you step that wiggle back and forth among these um, piles of, you know, fractured boulders. And so that means you're not walking on a flat rocks. So you might be standing on a point and then reaching to another point. And when you're barefoot, you can stand on a pointy rock. The feet are strong enough to do that. But you don't want to, or at least I don't want to, maybe like jump onto a pointy rock. Yeah. So correct. instead it was a lot of lowering myself down and sort of butt scooching on all fours and crab walking and, <laughs> um, and you know, moving very cautiously and very slowly. And I, you know, I, I saw like a guy in a red parka, you know, a half a mile ahead. And I'm like, I was like, I'm going to catch up to him. And I looked up and, no, I'm not catching up to anybody. <laughs> Barefoot is slow. And on the knife edge, it was very slow. And then I got to Katahdin and, you know, it's, it's just a broken rocks. It's an alpine boulder field. And then the descent into Hamlin was just a trail with, you know, full of gravel. So I, by the time I got to Hamlin, I was getting a little cross. <laughs> I bet. How long <laughs> Wait, which, um, mileage which, wise? Which, What's that? I'm sorry. How long mileage wise was that check? Uh, that's just an 11 mile loop. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. And then how long did it take doing it barefoot? The, um, and you know, with the hardest thing with Katahdin, you've got to get there super early to get a permit. Right. Um, so, so can I count starting at 445 when I got to the, I think I got on the trail at eight o'clock and, and got off at uh, six o'clock. But in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, on the on the way down from Hamlin, I put on my um, Fit Kicks because mm -hmm. I otherwise there was a question that I would have ever made it out uh, at all. So uh, so in the spirit of full disclosure, I'll sometimes wear uh, Fit Kicks on the way down. Okay. okay. And what are Fit Kicks? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have one within arm's reach to show you, but it's like a slipper, but it's got a thin Vibram sole. Okay. And, you know, you can just stuff them in a pocket. And the best thing is they don't cost, you know, $150 or $80. They cost $20. <laughs> <laughs> That's they okay. won't last forever. But, um, you know, I always carry them when barefoot, just in case I get into mostly I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. So I don't like to wear them. But sometimes you get into a time crunch and it's like, well, you know, 
I've run out of time. I need to be somewhere. Or you might get into, uh, you might get into, you know, conditions that are too hot or too cold, and then you're putting yourself at risk. So I always carry them with me as backup. Travel smart. Awesome. All right. So before we wrap up, because this has been 50 minutes already, it's, it's just flown by, Ken. Um, can you update us and our listeners about some of the things happening with the uh, New Jersey, New York Trail Conference? So a question that I personally have is I was hiking uh, Breakneck about a year ago. And I saw that they were doing some repairs. There was a diversion off of one of the more intense scrambles up there. Um, so do you know anything in particular about how the construction on that went? Any updates on uh, Breakneck? You know, um, all I know about Breakneck is, is that it's it's been a multi-year project. The trail conference is involved in a lot of other uh, municipalities are involved. You know, I think that's the most popular day hike in, in New York world. or the U.S. or yep. maybe the world, for all I know. Yep. So a lot of effort going into making that sustainable and allowing people to get out there um, and experience it. Here's the big focus right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that or if you were around when we had that huge, weird tropical storm in July. Yes. Oh, um, what a mess that was. Yeah, that just trashed Harriman. Okay. It trashed Harriman, it trashed the Appalachian uh, Trail and all the stone steps going up to the top of Bear Mountain. Oh, really? So that's a big focus for the trail conference right now is we're trying to, you know, marshal our resources and try and get those trails uh, rebuilt uh, and get people out back on them. But otherwise... Um, closed at the moment? I'm, I'm sorry, Cranky? So they're closed at the moment? Um, I think Harriman is back open, but I think many of the trails are still not passable because they got really washed out. In fact, you know, all the water supply uh, in Harriman got flooded and there was no running water. Part of the reason they had to close the park, there was no running water anywhere. Wow. Um, (laughs) So that's a huge focus, but I would also say, you know, as the, as the board and the staff think about, you know, where the organization is going, the long distance trails are very, very important. So we want to do more with the long path, the SRT, the Highlands Trail, because those those these kinds of trails really uh, capture people's imagination. But otherwise, for a couple, I'll mention a couple other things just for your listeners, so you know what the trail conference does. We've got about I think I mentioned those two thousand volunteers, and these are the folks out, you know, just keeping the trails open. And in some places, they will overgrow that blueberry and the scrub oak and and sassafras and other stuff will just you know <laughs> before you know it, it's dinosaur country and you just can't uh, get through. So that work is really really important. Um, the other thing I was going to mention about the trail conference right now is uh, October is our is our trailathon, and uh, the trailathon the goal is to do 103 miles, but not at once. You've got all month to do it, and you can walk, and you can hike, and you can run, and you can hop on a pogo stick. Some people do it on bikes, so it's totally oh. cool to do it on bikes. Um, you could, I don't think you could drive your car, but but any <laughs> way of moving yourself, you could probably ride a horse or paddle a canoe too. It would all be good. Um, 103 miles because the trail conference is 103 years old. Oh, oh wow. how nice. And, and the goal is just to go out and have fun and then post pictures of yourself on social media, you know, just to help more people understand about what the trail conference does and the importance of taking care of our trails and our forests and our natural land and the importance of connecting people to nature, which is what our mission is. 
Um, it is a fundraiser too, but um, it's only a hundred dollars and you know, it auto populates your Facebook fundraising uh, app. So I think most people can raise that uh, pretty quickly. I've got a team. You can do it individual. You can do it as part of a team. You can join my team <laughs> at, on the, during the right and just go to uh, it's nynjtc.org. I'm on it Google right now. <laughs> trail conference, And you'll find the trailathon. It's easy to sign up and you can, you can join my team. My team's called team, team nature. Hey, why not? I like that. <laughs> so you can join Team Nature and we'll have some events um, where we'll go out and do uh, some cool things. Or you can just join another team or you can just go out and have fun on your own. Um, but that's how the trail conference is celebrating uh, October. That's I mean, fantastic. I will say, having been on many trails up and down the East Coast from uh, Vermont to Georgia, that you guys do the best job with maintenance. I see your people out there, um, you know, repairing, reblade, doing stuff all the time. And when you hit, you know, some sections in the Appalachian Trail, um, especially around the Delaware Water Gap where the National Park is in charge, um, Tumbles and I always laugh on our very first hike, our very first section hike of the Appalachian Trail, it was in the the middle of a hurricane, which turned into a tropical that storm. That was our second. Our first was when we bottomed out and broke your wife's car. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we were heading up to Sunfish Pond, and a tree fell across the trail. That oh, no. tree was there literally for three years. Every time we went back, we are like, oh, is our tree there? Yep, it's still there. That would not happen, I think, on your trails. You guys do a phenomenal job of maintenance and, you know, drainage and repair. It's You guys are absolutely wonderful. We have some great people. And, and you know, the, the challenge we have is you, you explain to somebody, let me tell you about trail maintenance. <laughs> and people's eyes glaze over. That doesn't sound like fun. But it's like, I don't know, it's like gardening or it's like CrossFit. <laughs> Um, uh, Charlie Gaddall, who's another board member on the trail conference, he's done a, a fabulous job in the Catskills, just getting people together and let's go work on this, um, part of the trail and just improve the drainage. Cause it's the water that, you know, trashes trails, um, or the Sawyers. We have, uh, you know, teams of people who've been specially trained on chainsaws. <laughs> Kids don't try this at home. Um, and when you, and, 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 you know, so they'll go out and clear those blowdowns uh, and the deadfall. Uh, they'll do it quickly. By the way, one of the the, uh, the challenges for all of us in today's world is you can't just send people out randomly. Um, you've got to coordinate with the state, with DEC, with state parks. So you've got to make sure that the volunteers are approved and are covered by state, you know, insurance. And, you know, the, and you've got to let the, the parks and, and, the, and the forest managers know because there are people go out and do rogue maintenance or, you know, create their own trails. So there's a lot of coordination. And that's why we have a great staff at the trail conference as well. And they do a lot of work um, just coordinating and liaising with the, with the government and the other landowners to make sure that we can do this maintenance and do it in a safe and controlled and organized way. And, you know, again, achieve our goal and everybody's goals of, of just getting people out in nature where we belong. Absolutely. I think it's super important to have such a strong relationship with the state. One hundred percent. For sure. But what what's also great about the Trail Conference website, it, unlike the National Park Service website, for example, is that you can report an issue on trail. If there mm -hmm. is a blowdown, 
you, you just, I'm looking at the form right now. You put your information, you say what's wrong, you upload a photo, which will really help and uh, go on your way. And I'm sure it'll go right to staff and you know, immediately. Yeah. People, but I think the key is people care. Yeah, People too. care about the land and, you know, some, some of us like to go and run and hike and, and we have the, you know, the time or the, we're healthy enough to do so. And, and other people, you know, they may be busier or not as inclined, but they can support. And in mm-hmm. the trail community or the trail family, as we call it, is just amazing. There's so many folks out there who just, you know, really care about the trails. I had one fellow um, when I was a, a supervisor, uh, David Miller, and he, you know, he'd spend, you know, well over 100 or 200 hours a year out on the trail, just making sure his section was perfect. And then when somebody else was busy, he'd go, you know, clear their section. Uh, and so he's one of the, he's one of the maintainers on the Schwangang Bridge Trail. And he's, he also helped out at a, at the race at one of our checkpoints. And it's people like that, that, you know, um, make, make this all possible without it just being, you know, a government function. Yes, sure. Can you tell us what is going on with the Highlands Trail? Um, that is the only trail in the system that we have been on that frustrates us. And we get it um, because it is not contiguous. It's broken up. It's tech. All right. So it is con- contiguous. It is end to end. But a lot of it is road walking. A lot of it goes through towns. Um, can you update us on the plans for that trail and can you tell our listeners what the highland trail is because all as they hear me is complaining right now so can you tell us what it is and what the plans are frankie would you like the concise answer or would you like me to beat around the bush <laughs> a fairly concise the, the, the concise answer is i i have not been on the highlands trail i know it's in development it's it's like the srt was when it wasn't quite finished Okay. As I was talking about, but it's a, it's a great idea and it is growing and getting improved as we speak. Um, I mentioned Charlie Gettle who's mm-hmm. a uh, board member. And he's also a race director for, um, uh, for some races in the Catskills. He's done the Highland trail. So he could tell you everything about what's uh, going on there. So I'd be glad to connect you with him. And then you have somebody who actually knows what they're, what they're talking about, but I'll just say, I'd, I'd like to do it someday. And it's a really cool idea. It goes, you know, east west instead of north south, but that's about as much as I could as I could tell you. Okay, we just found that particular trail frustrating because you know you're going through the woods and then it dumps you onto like five <laughs> thirteen for a certain number of miles. It's yeah, yeah. When it's finished, um, I'm sure it'll be great. But that's but, the only trail in your system that we were like, ah. <laughs> yeah. But that that's a that's a great point because you know that's how some of these great trails start. And if you, and I'm sure you guys have read, you know, Earl Schaefer yes. or uh, Grandma Gate Gatewood yeah. and their early exploits on the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and and as she said, it wasn't much of a trail <laughs> to start with. Um, and so these trails, they start in many cases because volunteers get excited about the idea. The long path, which is now, you know, our signature long distance trail, 350 miles, the trail conference has been working on that for, uh, uh, I'm doing the math in my head, 60 years. So it really wow. started, and the idea came up in the 1930s, no believe kidding. it or not. But the trail conference volunteers started work. Andy Garrison, by the way, would be a great person to have on your show, because not only is he in charge of the long path, but he can tell you the history 
and uh, and how folks conceived of the idea in the 1930s and how they started working it working on it in the 1960s. I'll tell you something funny. I was uh, driving down in the Schwangunks and I found uh, on a row, I think it's Row Road or something. It's this rural road that you're not likely to, to be on accidentally. But I, I saw aqua blazes on the trees. Yeah. So those must be like 20 or 30 years old because now the trail all goes up on the ridge right through Sam's Point and the okay. Southern Gungs. But 30, 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't a Sam's Point. There weren't state forests there. It was all private. And so they had to do sections of it on the road just to get around it. The trail conference and our volunteers are just passionate about about this. We, we just bought um, a parcel. It was about 200 acres near the Bashakil. And the purpose of that acquisition was to get a quarter mile of the SRT off the road. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's what it takes over decades to uh, create what today is a pretty good trail. Uh, But they didn't just come into, (laughs) they didn't just come into being all at once. It's been a labor of love over decades. And so the Highlands Trail will get there. It's going to take, you know, it's not quite ready. It's going to take a long time. Um, It's not quite at the same state of development as the long path of the SRT. Okay. That goes to so, show also, Crank, you know, remember those folks we were talking about that were doing the, the perimeter trail around the United States, and yes. they were just at the birth stages, basically, of that trail. The line on a yeah. map. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. So, Tumbles, we look forward to hiking um, the Highlands Trail when it is complete and there are no roads in 2070. Excellent. We'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> sooner, sooner than that. <laughs> All right, 2050. I'll take that one. <laughs> um, so, Ken, do you have um, anything else you would like to add before we have you do your plugs and where people can go connect with the conference and all of that good stuff? Well, uh, nothing Nothing else. I would just summarize uh, for, for runners. Um, we'd love to have you at the SRT and uh, – you know, I mentioned the really high success rates for the 30 mile and a half marathon distance and the 70 is a really epic challenge. So we'll open registration soon and we'd love to have uh, people come out and experience this. And then for other folks, if you have the time and energy to get involved uh, with the trail conference, you could be a volunteer. You could have your own, you know, half a mile or a mile of trail or to take care of, or you could get involved in working with groups of people on projects. Um, so we'd love to have you get involved there and, and you know, check out our our trailthon too. And you can go after that in any way you want. And if you want to join team nature, uh, I'll reach out and we'll, we'll go f- uh, find something uh, fun to do. Awesome. So that's it. Uh, Cranky and tumbles. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, our, oh, pleasure. our pleasure. Now, um, actually I have one last question for you. Do you have any races coming up yourself? Oh yes. I've got um, the Tesla Hertz, which I'm signed up for 50 K uh, in uh, early October and then end, end of October is the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, so I do have those those two. Oh, well, good luck. I'm sure you'll do great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What is the Tesla Hertz? Uh, well, I don't know. I've never been there. And I was talking to uh, a who's part of Team Nature and he's just uh, discovered uh, barefoot running. Um, and I said, well, I'm, you know, I had done this other race and I could just go back and do that one. Or I could do Tesla Hertz, and I'm not sure which one to choose. And he said, well, you have to do Tesla Hertz because you haven't been there. 
Exactly. So I was all right. <laughs> I can't argue with that. So it's out in Long Island somewhere. And I'm, I've heard it's in the Pine Barrens and has sandy trails. Uh, oh. A friend named Trishel Churns, who's be another great person for you guys. He's a legendary ultra uh, runner. He, he recommended it to me. So I'm hoping it's not gravel. <laughs> but that's the thing about Barefoot. You know, it's um, it's going to be an adventure. And by the way, I want to do 50K. Um, and it starts Saturday morning until you and you, you, you do have until Monday morning. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, oh, my God. That sounds great. Because <laughs> uh, they have multiple distances, including, you know, 100 miles. Uh, so I have no excuse to not finish that one, hopefully. <laughs> Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ken. Can you give your Instagram, the trail conference, contact information? Plug away, sir. Sure. I'll just give a, a small number of things. The trail conference is www.nynjtc.org. And the trail conference has got a great presence on Instagram. Um, uh, so you can find them there. Just You just look up the name. Uh, as for myself, my uh, blog site or my website is uh, www.barefoot10.com. So hopefully that's easy to remember. And that'll give you all my socials, uh, Twitter uh, and Instagram. I go uh, under the name Long Brown Path. Yes. Fantastic. Or you can just search for Barefoot Ken. You'll, you'll <laughs> find me either way. Easy Fantastic. enough for us to remember. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, folks, uh, you know where to find well, Cranky's been posting like a man, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he just bought a new pair of shoes that he was reviewing. Um, yeah. Anywho, find us at on Instagram at rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod. Find us on TikTok, rocks underscore roots underscore podcast. DM us, don't email us, I don't check. And with on that note, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.